Good afternoon, everybody. It's time to begin our service. And I did not look to see who was doing anything. We will have two songs, then we will have a reading and prayer. Sam will have our reading and prayer. I'm glad you're on it, Sam, because I forgot. Uh, we'll have one more song, and then Chris will have our lesson. Our first song is number 977. Just to make sure you're all going good, let's stand for this song, please. Give it another minute, let that food go down. <laughs> Be seated. Our next song is number 898, Unto Thee, O Lord. After this, Sam will have our reading and prayer.
I'll be reading from Genesis chapter 24, verses 1 through 6. Genesis 24, 1 through 6. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So Abraham said to his oldest servant of his house, who ruled over all they had, Please put your hand under my thigh, that I will make, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from that you will take that you will not take a wife from my son. Uh, from my daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell. But you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. And the serv servant said to him, Perhaps this woman, perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which I came? But Abraham said to him, Beware that you do not take my son back there. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for all that you've blessed us with, for the time that we get to spend with each other, learn, growing closer to each other and growing closer to you. Uh, we ask that everything that we do might, might further your kingdom and help others grow close to you. Uh, please be with Mr. Chris as he brings us a lesson. Let him have a ready recollection of everything that he's prepared. Forgive us when we fall short. And uh, in your son's name, amen. Our song of invitation today will be number 454, Nothing But the Blood. Now, if you would, let's stand again and sing number 658, There Is Much to Do. Keep that food moving down, guys. <laughs> 658. There's much to do, there's work on every hand. Hearts are bright, welcome, ringing through the land. Jesus calls for
Please see it. It's a great song, isn't it? Here am I, send me. It comes straight from Isaiah chapter 6. In Isaiah 6, uh, Isaiah has been transported into God's throne room. And God has a job for Isaiah. He wants Isaiah to be the guy who goes out into Israel, God's people, and calls them back to him. Because there have been some indiscretions on, on Israel's part, both immoral and idolatrous that have separated them from God. In fact, it's Isaiah 55 verses 1 and 2 where Isaiah through the Holy Spirit says, it's not that God's hand is too short to save you. It's not that his ear can't hear you. It's that your sins have made a separation between you and your God. And so in Isaiah chapter 1, 10 through 15, Isaiah starts talking about how God's not going to hear their prayers anymore. They're all the things, the rituals that they would do to please God, the, the sacrifices and the prayers. He says, those, those things are over. I'm, I'm not pleased by those things anymore. Because of your idolatry and your immorality, he is removing himself from them. They're no longer going to be his people. And there's coming a time when God will judge them. In Isaiah chapter 6, the, where our, our song we just sang comes from, God starts looking for someone to stand in the gap. He's purified Isaiah by this point with the, the coal to his lips. And Isaiah before then says, oh, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And truer words were never spoken unless they were spoken in our generation, right? And so God cleanses Isaiah's lips. The thing that he's pointed out is his problem of why he can't serve. So God removes that excuse. And then he starts looking for someone to help, someone to serve. And Isaiah I don't know if he looks around, but there's no one else in the throne room outside the, tw the, the 24 elders, the four living creatures. There's no other alive human being in the throne room, but I suppose maybe he looks around and kind of raises his hand. And he says the exact same words we just sang, Lord, here am I, send me. I, I want to be the one who stands in the gap and calls people back to you. I want that job. That, that's my job. I want that. That's your job. You need to want that. That's our job. We need to want that, don't we? That, that, that should be our passion. There, there's a hole in our community, and we have the answer, and we need to go tell them, right? That, that's our job. So here am I. Send me. Today, as we do for every uh, last Sunday of the month, we have uh, our service projects coming up after our, our time together here. We've got a couple of options to say, Lord, here am I. Send me. So one of the options is you can, you can knit hats <coughs> with Amber Payne. She's going to show you how to knit the hats if you want to. If you've never crocheted a day in your life, she can teach you how. Uh, we have looms and we have the yarn and all this stuff. And it's all been prepared and all it needs is your hands to do it and your prayers to work through it. Um, we send these to the Cancer Center in Huntington. Uh, and they, they uh, hand them out to the cancer patients for us. The funny thing about this is... Who, who knows who gets one of those, you know? This is this is completely random thing. Like, we don't have any part in who gets what hat or, or who gets a hat even. This is something that we're faithful to do and rely on God to do the rest. But that's, that's kind of what he's good at. That's his wheelhouse in doing 
the rest. He, he, he takes up the slack. Where our efforts stop and stall out, he, he takes up the rest. And Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 3 that he gives the increase. We'll talk about that in just a second. Um, so if you want to knit a hat for some cancer patients, we have that opportunity uh, today. Right after services are over, you go down to the, the old, old auditorium, down to the very end, I think is where we said it was going to be, and Amber will meet you there, and you can learn how to crochet a hat. Um, if you want to be outside, it looks like maybe the rain will hold off for a bit longer. Um, we're going to go door knocking today. It's something that we've, we've been doing uh, the last couple of weeks or so. Um, it's something that we need to do. Evangelism ought to be in our veins. Um, we need to give people the opportunity to come. They're never going to come if they don't hear, right? How are they going to hear unless somebody tells them? You're that somebody. So today, we're going to go out door knocking. Uh, Marvin's going to meet you back here in the foyer on those couches. You'll get a map. Uh, you'll get some flyers and go out and do the neighborhood that, that you're assigned to. Uh, and these will pop up every so often, um, maybe once, twice a Saturday, or once or twice a month, maybe we'll say, hey, we're going to door knocking. And, and our plan is to cover uh, the entire bit of Proctorville and Rome. And that's not all that much, is it? We've, we've pretty well already covered most of Proctorville, if not all of it. So we're, we're making progress here. The interesting thing about this is it's another thing kind of like the hats, kind of like all of our projects. You don't really know who's behind that door, do you? You don't really know who's already planted some seed there. You don't know that your words aren't going to make a huge impact in someone's life, right? Who could be on the other side of that door? It could be the next Marshall Keeble, could be on the other side of that door, right? He's a famous uh, preacher from generation past, but he, the next famous preacher, the next great guy who stands in the gap, like Isaiah, like you, could be standing on the other side of that door. And you just don't know. I've come to the realization with evangelism that it's not so much the grand gestures that matter, it's the, the small things that mount up to a great thing that matters. Um, I, I think the more times you speak to someone, the more times they hear God's invitation offered to them, the more likely they are to accept it. Does that make sense? I think that makes sense with everyday um, kind of common sense stuff, right? If you want somebody to go to a basketball game with you, what do you do? You stay after them. Hey, come, come over and we'll go see this basketball game. Come over, we're going to do this. You do that for month after month after month. What are they going to do? They're going to come to that basketball game if it's just to shut you up, <laughs> right? You want, you want uh, somebody to go to lunch with you, what do you do? You keep on talking to them, right? Hey, come on, let's go, let's go over here. Eventually they'll come. Same thing's true with evangelism. <coughs> the more times we touch people, the more times we offer the invitation to them, the more likely it is that they will accept it. Um, you probably all know someone who has a story like this, right? Um, maybe they fell away from the church or had never been a member of the church but someone invited them to a VBS or a camp or a worship service or a service project or some event or a service of the, of the local congregation there, and they came. Maybe they came once. Maybe it took 15 or 20 invitations for them to come, but they came, and 
they were baptized and their life changed and their family tree changed and their kids became members of the church and their grandkids became members of the church. You probably have stories like that, just like I do, where you see the potential for this kind of thing. You never know who's on the other side of the door. In the bulletin, I kind of portrayed it as, uh, as building a wall. Uh, and that's the way I look at evangelism is every time you talk to someone, you put another, use a song lyric, you put another brick in the wall, right? You're, you're slowly building a wall until eventually you get the wall done and the person says, yes, I, I would like to come. If nothing else, then just to shut you up and so you stop asking, right? But then they come and God does something. When we're faithful in the small things like this, he works through these things. Turn over to Genesis chapter 24. I just want to spend just a few minutes in this text. This is probably one of my favorite passages because it's just so odd. Genesis 24, Abraham is getting old. His, uh, his son Isaac, the son of promise, the one that literally God's promises are riding on this boy. Uh, he's about my age by this point. He doesn't, maybe a little younger than me. He's his, probably in his 30s, I think, um, before he gets married. Abraham's getting older. He knows he's about to die, and he wants his servant to promise to take care of his son's future. God's already made some promises about this boy. Isaac's going to be, uh, many nations are going to come out of Isaac, and Abraham's aware of this. He's, he, he, he understands, he believes everything that God has said in, this, in relation to this. He just doesn't see how it's going to happen. And so he's trying to set Isaac up for success. You don't take a Canaanite wife, right? Because that's this going to lead you in a direction you don't need to go. They're not faithful. They don't understand Yahweh's promises or his commands. And you don't take a wife from them. And so Abraham says, you go back to the, my family, where I come from, and you're going to find some unfaithful people there too, right? As, as evidenced in Scripture. But they are your best shot. At least they're familiar with Yahweh's ways. And so he sends his servant back to where Abraham is from, and he meets a young lady there. But do you know how all this hashes out? He, he, meets, he meets Isaac's future wife, but it's not like on Tinder. <laughs> it's not on, uh, on, on uh, Facebook or something. He, he meets her at a well, and he's already made this deal, for lack of a better term, with God, where he says something like, um, here's what we're going to do the Lord. So uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go over to this well and whoever, whichever woman comes down and offers me a drink but also offers to feed my camels, uh, she's going to be the one that you want me to pick for Isaac. Sounds crazy, right? The whole thing sounds crazy, right? To go all the way back to the country that he left to get a wife for his son when there's plenty of women here in Canaan sounds a little crazy, but... Abraham was faithful in this thing, and look what happened. God's promises rang true in Isaac, didn't they? So he makes this agreement with God, and this woman comes out. She offers him water. She also water, offers to water his camels, which he has a caravan of camels. This would have taken hours for her to do this, provide enough water, trip back and forth, trip back and forth from the well to the camels. It would have taken hours to do this. So there's some hard work and all these kind of things uh, that you can learn about this young lady from this incident. But this is the agreement that he's made with God. So he knows that she's the one for Isaac. He was faithful in this thing. It's something small. It's not, not a huge deal, right? 
Sometimes we overlook the small things because we think, oh, there's no power in small things. The power's in the details, isn't it? You are, small, you are faithful in the small things. You'll be faithful in the big things. And so this guy's faithful. This servant is faithful in this, what appears to be not that big of a deal, but Abraham has made it a big deal and has entrusted his most faithful servant to this job. He didn't go find the guy that was brand new. He didn't find the guy that screws everything up. He went and found the guy that was faithful over his entire house, the one he can trust more than anybody else. And he says, I've got an important job for you. And this guy took it and ran with it. It seems small, but he was faithful. And look what God did with it, right? Door knocking, making hats. These things may seem small, but you're faithful in them. And look what God can do with them, right? Flip over to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul's making this argument to the Corinthian congregation about whether it matters who baptizes you or not. And like we said earlier, uh, the Corinthian congregation, they're just ripping themselves apart with all these divisions. Uh, they're really struggling. And this is one of the things that they're really struggling with is they want the the prominence of saying, well, Peter baptized me, and they kind of puff out their chest. And the other guy says, we think Peter's impressive. The great apostle Paul baptized me. And they say, well, you guys think that's impressive? I follow Jesus himself. And they're like, oh, okay. You know? And so all these, these power plays are going on in the Corinthian congregation. And so we enter into the context right here with this. In uh, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6, Paul kind of says, it doesn't matter who, who baptized you. Listen to what matters. Verse 6, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. You're faithful in this small thing, and what can God do? Well, he does what God does. He, he grows it. He, in, he gives the increase is what some translations say. He does his bit. There's parts of this that you can't do, right? You can't make someone be faithful. You can't go to the door and you're not going to be able to be eloquent enough, to be logical enough, to have all the right arguments, to force someone into faith. You can't do it. doesn't work like that. You're not going to be able to contrive the right person to get these hats that you make to be able to make the biggest impact. But God can, and he does do that stuff. That's his wheelhouse. This is where he lives. This is the stuff that he likes to do. You be faithful in the small things, and he'll be faithful in everything else. He gives the increase. He wins. He sets everything up so that if you're faithful, everything else falls into place. So you've got an opportunity today to serve. Here am I. Send me to step in the gap just like Isaiah and call people back, to call people to him. These things are service projects, but at their heart, they're evangelistic. Because if we're not evangelizing, what have we done? Exactly. We haven't done anything. If we're, not, if we're not calling people to Him, what's our purpose? Why are we here? What does it matter? There's a group of people who are come together on Sundays and talk, you know? If we're not evangelizing, we're not doing anything. So, at the heart of every one of these events that we've done this week, at the heart of every one of our projects today, the heart of everything we do is evangelism. We're calling people back 
to Him. And we're faithful in this. We do these things, these seemingly small things, and then He gives the increase. So that's what He does. He's faithful in, in this matter. So today, if you haven't been baptized and you're wanting to get inside of Christ, this seems like a small thing, doesn't it? It doesn't seem like this great big thing. Remember Naaman, when Naaman was sick with leprosy, he goes to uh, God's prophet and God's prophet tells him, you know, we'll just go dip in the Jordan River seven times, you'll be healed. And Naaman says, oh, he's furious. He says, oh, man, I thought he would come out and he would have me do this big thing. He would make a big deal about it. And he says, it's just this small thing. The servant says, well, you, you do the small thing, and let's see what happens. So you do the small thing, and let's see what happens. Maybe today you need to be baptized. Maybe, maybe you're thinking the small thing is, is baptism. God does something in that act of obedience where he cleanses you. He washes away your sins, and you become perfect in his sight. Maybe you've already made that decision, and you just need the prayers of, of our congregation here to, to be what God wants you to be. If you have any need today, why don't you come as we stand and sing. have a few announcements before we dismiss. Uh, like Mr. Chris said, we have the two options for service projects. After this, the uh, crocheting in the old auditorium and with Mr. Marvin going door knocking. Uh, and then after that, at 4 o'clock, we'll all meet back here. The uh, K-5 through can meet back here. We'll take a bus and we'll go to Strike Zone to go bowling. Um, the Thursday's lady class is canceled for July. Um, we have the service project coming uh, to Waverly, Tennessee coming up from the 17th to the 20th. Uh, Wednesday night after service, we will have a family movie night after Bible class. 
uh, bring your lawn chairs and drinks, and we'll watch Family Camp. Um, Fort Hill starts uh, Sunday, July the 3rd, and we have the Father-Son Camp Out on the 29th at the Leaps Cabin. On our prayer list, we have a few people. Uh, Ms. Myrna McCallicoat, Jim Haney, Sandy Galloway, Jennifer Baker, Janie Judge, uh, Glenn Judge, and Lisa Baisden. I am so sorry. Uh, we, if anybody hasn't had the opportunity to partake of the Lord's Supper, it has been prepared in the conference room uh, out this door in the first door to the right. And we will have a song and a closing prayer. Our last song this afternoon is number 971, Restore My Soul, 971. Restore my Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we approach you one more time to tell you that we're so appreciative, Lord, for our place in your kingdom. Father, we're thankful that you've redeemed us from sin through the blood of Christ that was shed as he died on the cross. Lord, thank you so very much for the fellowship we have as your children in, in this congregation. Lord, as we approach this new week and prepare to settle down in our own personal business, we pray that you will help us, Lord, to continue to look to you for aid and help. Thank you, Lord, for your word and help us to turn to your word each day to find good, find good morsels of your blessing to us. Thank you now for our time together this day, and we praise you, Lord, and thank you. In the name of Christ our Savior, amen.